rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it. I feel like something is not right, though. Like I forgot to do something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We do it. We'll figure it out as we go. We do it anyway. All right, guys, my name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. We meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And then we are rebroadcast starting 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices. That'll be tomorrow night on Sunday. And we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Please give the show a good review on iTunes and become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin and keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it, and live it. We're in this together. This is unapologetic liberal talk. If you are here for the first time, I wanted to get that out in the open. Trump and Z's are welcome if they know how to behave themselves, but just know that we won't tolerate the bullshit. Haiku will give you the boot if you're in the YouTube chat room. The Discord link has expired. Okay, I'll figure that out. Well, why? I don't know why it's expired. Son of a, they always do that. I hate that. You can't, you can't turn your back on anything. Everything is constant, constant. Updating and oh, ugh, ugh. I can't. Can I get a minute? You know what I mean? Yeah, I have to fix the Discord link. Let me see. I shouldn't do that now. <laughs> I didn't mean to hit that sound effect either, <laughs> but it kind of works. A car crash sound effect. Yeah. All right. So I'll get that done. I won't do it right now. Even though I feel... I'm very obsessive. I get easily distracted, so... Guys, let's see. Okay, we know what's going on. Everything sucks. All right, now that we're all caught up. John Lewis died. We, we're losing the civil rights icons. Honestly, I'm sure I'm going to get some angry voicemails from Michael Deason over this. I, I don't know what it is. It's... Maybe it's when you become an insider, things, things change. You start living your cushy lifestyle. You, you hang out with the likes of Kevin McCarthy. Okay. I'm sure it's, I, I, I really, okay. I appreciate, I was, all right. How am I going to say this? I'm really trying to measure my words. Because the guy just died. He he left a legacy, of course. He's a he was an activist. He put his ass on the line. He got beaten by the fascist police. But right now we see there are fascist police disappearing people off the street. We have the Black Lives Matter protests happening. Clearly we have a lot of work to do. And in fact, I could sit here and we do, we argue all the time that we're in worse shape 
now, the whole country, I, I guess different, different aspects are better. Racism is still alive and well. We would, we have, what, what's really bothering me, it not, I mean, is, uh, the platitudes. Platitudes are not policy. And in fact, all of the hard work and the blood that Congressman Lewis spilled in, uh, in the civil rights movement, the, uh, we, we have, ta- whatever step we took forward, we have certainly taken a few steps backward legislatively. The, the monumental progress that was made in the Civil Rights Act, we know that the Republicans, would, that the conservative, the illegitimate Supreme Court put in place by an illegitimate president, George W. Bush, who put John Roberts on the bench, even though Bush did not win the presidency, and he received fewer votes. So everything that we're, all this this country that we're living in is illegitimate. So I have my personal feelings about John Lewis because I, as somebody who supported Bernie Sanders, the thing that bothers me is I remember John Lewis saying that he wasn't supporting Bernie Sanders. He didn't see him at any civil rights meetings or movement. He wasn't there. As if, okay, I was, um, it's like, to me, it, it, it's sort of like, let's say in 20 years from now, Susan Sarandon saying, I never saw Tara Devlin at the Bernie Sanders meetings, uh, but I was there. I'm not, um, I'm just a member. I'm not somebody who's in the leadership team. I think that was what, it was the situation with Bernie. And it kind of negates all, uh, um, everyone's, um, you know, all of us, all of the actions that we take. We know for a fact that Bernie was arrested fighting for civil rights. He wasn't arm in arm with MLK. He might have been at the I Have a Dream speech, but he wasn't on stage. So does that mean those, uh, the work that he did doesn't matter? So that irritated me about John Lewis. And his, uh, his proclaimed love for Kevin McCarthy irritated me. You know, maybe this is a good conversation to have next week after he's, uh, he's in the ground. But, you know, come on, let's get real. Maybe it's the halls of power that corrupt you. When you have health care, when you have a nice, uh, you know, you're living a nice life. Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is what somebody proposed to me. I, we were talking about this the other week. Oh, someone said, you should run for office. Or, oh, well, uh, maybe you'll change if you become, if you uh, get money from corporations to run for office. So maybe you'll change. I I said, I doubt it, but who knows? You know what I mean? Who the hell knows? That's why you want to take money out of politics. That's why you don't want to have you know, why take the chance? So, 
I was watching the corporate media. Of course, everyone is praising John Lewis. They're crying tears, uh, and everyone's touched. And Mitch McConnell, uh, uh, they're tweeting, and it's all bullshit. Platitudes aren't policy. Like Martin Luther King said, it's easy to integrate a lunch counter. What, What else you got? It's easy to tweet. So I'm thinking about when Bernie was running for for the nomination. And, yeah, I looked it up. I'm looking up the voting record. So uh, ACLU, legislative scorecard. I'm looking over here, right? 100% from the ACLU. Okay, that's Bernie. And then I was looking. Well, Joe Biden hasn't been in office for a while. So I Googled. Let's see. Where is it? Here it is. Right in uh, Joe. I just looked up Joe Biden civil rights. He was given a 60% approval rating from the ACLU, reflecting a mixed voting record on civil rights. During a debate in November 15, uh, in 2007, Biden clarified the Patriot Act's effort and his continued support of it and for his opposition to racial profiling. For uh, all, for reality's sake, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we're in this boat. Everyone's, we're, we're in a collective state of denial. For Joe Biden is a mixed bag, that's for sure. So why not call people out for their records. And here in this country, someone who's supposed to be on the vanguard of the civil rights movement, it irritates me. I'm talking about Jim, about, uh, about John Lewis. <laughs> it irritates me that he would turn around and say, oh, I never saw Bernie there while endorsing Joe Biden. What's the reality there? You have somebody that has 100% legislative voting record from the ACLU in regard to civil rights. And then you have somebody with a 60% voting rights record, voting re- or record on when it comes to civil rights. We know Biden's history. Hold on, we'll be right back. And... Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to get emails and people, what are you going to do? Circular firing squad. No, honey, this is about moving the country forward, getting a grip. What? Are, uh, and it's really not about Bernie. It's about the denial that we're in. The fact is, yeah, okay, John Lewis was on the forefront of the civil rights movement, but where? What? what's happened in the last 40 years, 50 years? Since then, we've gotten worse in many ways. The working class is worse. We're now below, the middle class is now below 50% of the population. And while I remember, you know, during all the, the hearings, the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy praising his friend John Lewis, and okay, they could be friends, but let's not be re- unrealistic. Let's Call what it is, call call it as it is. 
not the way you want it to be. I don't know. So am I wrong here? I'm sure I'm going to get... I'm sure that uh, Michael Deason's not going to be happy listening to me. Because it's not really about Bernie, <laughs> in a sense. It's about who... It's about really sticking with your friends. It's... This is the same thing that irritated me. See, I used to give money. I support a lot of political causes, of, of course, a, a lot of animal causes, a lot of, of course, liberal causes, democratic causes. I, I gave money to the Democratic Congressional Campaign, the CCCC, all of the Democratic, the establishment Democrats I would give money to, the Senate, the, the Congress, what else? The DNC itself. I stopped giving money to those entities after 2016. And also, another, I give money to gay rights causes. And one of the organizations I used to support was the HRC, the Human Rights Campaign. When, But when they endorsed Hillary over Bernie Sanders, it wasn't about... You know, I mean, okay, I'm a Bernie supporter, but because Bernie was for the policies that I believe in, and as you see, when I'm, I'm kind of critical of him. It's not about Bernie. I'm critical of him that he was a weak-ass revolutionary. So, okay, the fact is Bernie was somebody who took political... He took a political hit from supporting gay rights before it was politically advantageous. That was somebody that was at the barricades with you before there was a benefit to it. Now they're all the all the Democratic candidates. I mean, even Hillary Clinton. When I I lived lived in New York my entire life, and she was the senator from New York. And she, I distinctly remember, we have the video, it's on video of her saying she believes that marriage is a sacred right between a man and a woman. And yeah, she was for civil unions. This is what they do. The political insiders, the game players, the neoliberal lickspittles that divide and conquer this country. We know what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, it's it. Human rights are human rights. You don't put that up for a vote. You don't evolve over that. All right, that's my opinion. You know what's right. That's why Bernie was, he was for gay rights before it was cool. Before you could sell rainbow flagged, freaking branded, whatever paraphernalia on your on your website. Really, so. Let's not be deceived. Not it's not deceived. Let's not be um gaslit. How will how will we ever push this right wing Democratic Party where it needs to go if we refuse to see the reality? Now, f for example, I got to tell you something that happened to me today. It's annoying. I got an email, not an email, a text from some Biden, I guess I'm on mailing lists and whatnot, and 
I got a text. You might have received something similar. Who should Joe Biden pick, pick, pick as his vice president? All right, this from the a survey, official survey. Who should he pick? And I texted back, Nina Turner. Okay, that's it. Boom. A couple of minutes later, I get another text. Look. I am opting you out of texts immediately. Have a great day. So I was like, F you, lady or man, whoever you are. Did I ask you to opt me out of texts? So that's how Joe Biden's campaign is dealing with the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, the real Democrats, the FDR Democrats. Shutting you down? I didn't ask this person to opt me out. How dare you opt me out? Because you don't like that I said Nina Turner? So there's no conversation then, I guess, for them, for the DLC, for the DNC. And I I wrote back, uh, pathetic, and I said, thank you. (laughs) I can't wait to tell my listeners how receptive the Biden campaign is to the non-corporate FDR Democratic Party. Have a great day ensuring Twitler's second term. And then it just irritated me, and I wrote, you know, just like uh, I said, did I ask you to opt me out? How dare you? Now, I was in because I wanted to see the information that was being put out by the campaign. So this son of a bitch, Biden, that's what they're saying. They don't want Any dissension, what is the difference? It's not dissension. How is proposing Nina Turner as a potential vice presidential nominee, what is that? What what does that say? um, Is that uh, adversarial? That you have to, that you apt me out of a mailing list without being asked? It's incensing me, honestly. So there's no conversation. You're not welcome. That's what that says. It's bizarre, honestly. So, yeah. And the way I look at it is that we're in this boat. We have a fascist squatting in the White House despite receiving fewer votes and a... Uh, all of the fascist goons, the Gestapo uh, on loose in Portland, kidnapping people off the streets. This, all this is a byproduct of a neoliberal corporate DLC, DNC, in league with the effing right-wing fascists in the Republican Party that seeded the groundwork that made Twitler possible. They made him possible. So I'm sorry if pointing out the truth gets you uh, upset, but that's what I'm here to do.
if pointing out that Joe Biden only has a 60% um, rating from the ACLU, as opposed to Bernie Sanders, 100%. Now, why would that trigger somebody? You know what I mean? If I'm saying that, that is only a fact. Oh, we're not supposed to talk about that? What's wrong with us? This is why. Exactly this is why we are where we are. In this boat. And it ain't a, and it, the damn boat is sinking. It's it's rare. it's really um concerning. <laughs> to say the least. Oh my god. Yes, I'm looking at the chats. I just want to say thank you for your super chats, Jim, of course, and Haiku. Once again, thank you. Oh, my God. Mm. Telling them a non-DLC-approved candidate they consider antisocial. Yes, resist, evolve. It's really unbelievable. It pissed me the F off, obviously, but... This is what happens when you tell the truth. We're not, we're trying to win. We're not trying to, what? If it was up to us, we would have a FDR Democratic uh, Party. There would be no Twitler. It would have happened if we had already embraced the very things that FDR told us about and and cautioned us if uh, not to do and to do. They sold out the the working class. We're in a position where into the fissures of disunity, right? That's what we read last night on the show. We read from Milton Mayer's They Thought They Were Free, the book that was written by a sociologist who, who studied the German people after World War II, how they allowed themselves to be co-opted and taken over by a fascist cult. And we also read from, what did we read? They thought they were free. And from um, what's Vice President Henry Wallace's letter in the New York Times about the dangers of American fascism. He was only, Henry Wallace was only saying exactly what we need to to do and what we need to look out for. The way he wrote, uh, the, the, it sounded, it could have been framed as some kind of communist plot from today's Democratic Party. What is the difference? Tell me. Tell me what, what's the difference between a social media Dem, you know, if you say uh, a, something that they don't like, it's not like I responded to the to the poll with "Go f yourselves, neoliberal DLC corporate lick spittles." Then I would say, "Okay, I asked for that one." I all I said was Nina Turner, somebody who is an American hero, in my opinion, who is for the working class, another unapologetically liberal FDR Democrat fighting for what we fight for, 
leaving no one behind. And uh, I don't know. Give me a break here. This is the problem. That's why right now all the Republicans, they're all, everybody's just talking about how, how uh, they loved John Lewis. Meanwhile, isn't that, if only love enabled everybody to vote. If only love didn't kick people off the voting rolls. And if love made it so that the person who received the most votes actually got to serve. Uh, Yeah, so John Lewis didn't see Bernie at any civil rights marches, but Kevin McCarthy, somebody who votes against the Voting Rights Act, that's your good, good friend. I'm baffled. Okay? Really? Tell me if I'm wrong. Somebody on the chat, you could tell me. For example, I was watching the corporate media. Cory Booker, he's saying, crying all the his tears, saying how John Lewis calls us to be great, how we should honor him by fighting. What has he done? He's in the pockets. There is so, he, he is so embedded with big pharma and the big moneyed interest. He is another corporate lickspittle. That is the tr- that's only the facts. For example, here's an article from 2017 how Cory Booker went from progressive hero to traitor in under two days. Senator Cory Booker was trying to walk the to the men's bathroom Tuesday afternoon with 30 immigration activists surrounded him to offer their thanks. Booker had just vowed to testify against Alabama session, Jeff, uh, Senator Jeff Sessions. We remember that. Okay, fast forward. Booker has long faced criticism on the left for cultivating the elite financial ties that much of Bernie's of the Bernie Sanders wing despises. And while it's true that his vote may have had more to do with the concentration of the pharmaceutical industry in his home state, and that's an example why you need money out of politics, it's only served to confirm some progressive suspicions that he's too closely allied with corporate interests in the Democratic Party. It didn't help Booker that the amendment he voted against was co-sponsored by the best-known progressive Democrat in the caucus, Bernie Sanders. On Wednesday, Sanders and Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar put forward a proposal that was was known on Capitol Hill as a voterama because of the quick the quirk in the congressional procedure. Senators were allowed to offer hundreds of proposed changes to the budget resolution Republicans wanted to use to repeal Obamacare. The Sanders-Klobuchar proposal would have allowed Americans to buy prescription drugs from Canada, where they are significantly cheaper. The Canadians pay 50% less for the same exact medicine that we buy in Vermont or in America. We know why. 
the power of wealth and the pharmaceutical companies that have bought the United States Congress, Sanders said. EpiPens, for instance, cost twice as much in the U.S. as in Canada. The depression drug Abilify is more than six times as much in the U.S. than it is in Canada. Drug companies have scored record profits as the cost of prescription drugs soared year after year by about 18%. As Dylan Matthews explained in the Washington Post, the kind of amendment that put that Sanders and Klobuchar put forward, and you wouldn't exactly call Klobuchar some kind of left-wing radical, right? It would have actually legalized prescription drug importation from Canada. But if passed, it would have signaled that there is enough political support in the Senate for the idea, increasing the odds that real action was being implemented. It's an idea that has broad support. One poll found that 72% of Americans support importation. As The Intercept notes, Trump campaigned on a similar pledge <laughs> because he's a fake populist, f exploiting the fissures of disunity. We know that. So the time has come for us to stand up against the drug company, Sanders said. So anyway, we'll move forward. It wasn't to be as the amendment failed by a narrow margin of 46 to 52. In an email, Booker's spokesperson cited concerns over safety standards of the prescription drugs that would be coming from Canada. As both the New Republic and The Intercept noted, that explanation is somewhat hard to believe. The drugs sold in Canada are literally produced in America, and Canada doesn't seem to have any particular problem with poisoned medicine. So the backlash, 13 Democrats broke rank with their party to defeat the Sanders-Klobuchar amendment, but the ensuing outcry from the left has been particularly concentrated on Booker, a national media star. The Huffington Post accused Booker and the other defecting Democrats of doing the industry's bidding. Jezebel noted that he had completely disregarded overwhelming national sentiment and that he was setting up Democrats for a massive failure. Ha hello, that's what happens when you go against the American people and you side with your corporate masters. Setting up Democrats for failure. And that's why we're in this boat with Twitler. Tell me if I'm wrong. Somebody. I'm not wrong. You know that. This is what we're, we're, this is why we have a fascist takeover of this country. It's because of lick spittles like Booker. And our inability to call them out for their hypocrisy. So when he's on the corporate media calling us to be like John Lewis, to heed the his history's call, whatever, all of the platitudes, I want to vomit. Why are we in this boat? Every politician should be talking about the reality of our situation. We are sick, 
because of money and politics, and we have a Twitler in the White House because of money and politics. I would have more respect for Booker if he came right out and said, you know what? I realize that 80% or whatever, or close to 80% of the American people are sick of being ridden to the bank like borrowed mules by the FN corporate interests in this country who have taken over our Congress. I'm, but I'm indebted to them. They give me money. So I'm sorry, American people. You're still going to have to decide between food and medicine until the American people rise up and say, we've had enough that our ancestors, our brothers and sisters, our fathers, our uncles, our aunts didn't die, didn't put on the uniform and fight and die in some cases so corporations can ride us to the bank. They didn't do that. That's not the sacrifice. They did it so we could have a more perfect union that works for all. And if, if Booker had said that, you know, that's what Ber- Bernie Sanders says. He says, this Congress is owned by corporations. Everybody knows it. And they call him what? He's a, some kind of left-wing radical? That goes to show you how far this country has gone to the right. And for Cory Booker to say he's, uh, he's humbled in the presence of John Lewis and in, in history's light, you're humbled? You should be ashamed. More than humbled. They should all be ashamed. He should be ashamed. All of them. If, if John Lewis, good for him. He went, he went over. He was on the front lines of the civil rights movement in the 60s. But yet, still, here we are today. The Voting Rights Act is gutted. And the Republicans... It used to be a non, non-controversial issue. They all voted for the re-extension of the voting rights act as if it needed to be extended. Why wouldn't they just vote? This is because it's a racist-ass country. You had to keep reauthorizing it? Please. And we know what Robert said, this illegitimately put on the Supreme Court justice put on by a president who had no business squatting in the Oval Office because he didn't win. So he guts the Voting Rights Act under with, with the excuse that racism is over. And John Lewis pals around with the likes of Kevin McCarthy while disparaging another senator who is an actual ally for civil rights. It makes me crazy. It uh, it's bothers me. I'm sorry. So we'll, let's all pretend that nothing's going on here and go along with, the, with everything. Uh, yeah, nobody's perfect, of course. But tell me. Why? Why would John Lewis say say disparaging things about Bernie Sanders? I never saw him on the civil rights, uh, in the civil rights meetings or whatever he said. I never saw him. 
Did you see Joe Biden? I doubt it. Look at their records. That's not something that's under the surface. That's right out there in the open. We see there are, uh, we see their records. So what's going on? What's really at play? It's the insiders versus the outsiders. And I'm sorry if somebody like, if John Lewis is praising Kevin McCarthy while kicking down on the truth on the outsiders well maybe he's lost he lost some perspective being a member of the uh insiders it was a long way from getting his ass kicked to the senate i don't know let's for example Let's look. Here are the ratings. Justice facts. The voting. Where is this? These different committees, different working families, Democrats for Life, Illinois Right to Life, Pro-Choice America, narrow pro-choice action gives Joe Biden a 75% voting rights. I mean, voting record the campaign for working families gave biden a four percent rating so i mean that's just the 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 record and it makes me sick that everybody well not everybody but it feels like there's a lot of, I don't know, the denial, the gaslighting, us being told, basically, we're being told to redefine what it means to be a liberal, just like we were supposed to redefine Republicans and Democrats. What is a Republican now? It's, there, there is no, the Republican Party is an irredeemable, greed-centered death cult. And the Democrats? So what does it mean to be a Democrat now? That you're, you're fine with corporate money infesting politics uh, and you're all for throwing subsidies at things. And instead of really fixing what's wrong, all of the brokenness in our system, you what? You, uh, you write thousand page bills that dance around the issue so you could keep the broken system intact and you call that progress when all you got it's all that is needed is doing the right thing is having the political courage that all of the politicians right now are calling for everyone to to hear hear your better angels they're saying be like John Lewis. Maybe be like John Lewis at the age of 17. Because a few years, a few decades later, I think there was, I don't know, it gets a little bit more complicated. <laughs> Am I wrong? I don't know. 
right, uh, Tony on the Facebook chat. He says, the reason Democrat and Republican Congress people call each other friends is because they spent years staying at the same luxury resorts together before attending the same corporate fundraisers. Absolutely. They're in the club. They're the insiders. That has to change a person. I don't really feel that, I don't know, Joe Lewis, uh, Joe Lewis, uh, you know, John Lewis was, yeah, he had a, he has an impressive history 50 years ago of being somebody like on the front lines, putting his ass on the line. He ran for Congress. He became an insider. There's nothing. What did he do? Hanging out with with uh, Kevin McCarthy as Kevin McCarthy cries about somebody calling him a racist. Now you remember, remember when Kevin McCarthy? This is what happened during. Let me, let me see, Kevin McCarthy during. Let's see. Hold on. When he cried, because he used. He brought in a woman as a prop. And then he cries, and John Lewis is like, oh, don't worry about it, everybody. He's not a racist. Because I got a black friend. Uh, Here's my black friend, John Lewis. And then everybody had to apologize. This is what happens when everyone's living in denial. What are you talking about? Of course it's racist to bring in a human being as a prop and say, look, here's my black friend. Here's Trump's black friend. Oh, my God. So, we all know, I the Democrats did try to fix the Voting Rights Act. But uh, every single Republican, which is, used to be a hundred percent non-controversial. They would just re, they would just extend the Voting Rights Act again and again. It was uh, a vote by rote, basically. They, there was no controversy until, until now. That's how far off the the. That's how far right this country has gone. We're so far right that now we attack our true. The civil right, the people who are are in the bunker at the barricades with us, fighting, trying, trying to do. We know what's right. We know what needs to be done. I say it every time here, every show that we have. I talk about it. We all talk about it here. We know what has to be done. It's. I'll explain again. It's not that hard. Get money out of politics. Period. End of sentence. Enact policies that leave no one behind. Everybody in, nobody out. That's how you d- how it's done. Ensure that people can vote. Here's an article from the Daily Beast in 2017. 
how the GOP gutted voting rights. In the wake of Barack Obama's election to the presidency in 2008, a panicked GOP citing illusory voter fraud did what it could wherever it could to restrict voting rights for minorities. The damn thing just closed. Okay. Uh-oh. I can't read this article. It just gave me a paywall. God damn it! That's what happens. I say become a patron. I gotta... It sucks. It's so annoying. All right. So let's read this article instead. The Supreme Court for Mother Jones by Dana Leibson. The Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. What happened next in these next these eight states won't shock you. For um, when the Supreme Court ruled five to four to overturn a key section of the Voting Rights Act last June, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg warned that getting rid of this measure was like throwing away your umbrella in a rainstorm because you're not getting wet. In 1965. The law required that lawmakers in states with a history of discriminating against minority voters get federal permission before changing voting rules. Now that the Supreme Court has invalidated this requirement, GOP lawmakers all across the United States are running buck wild with new voting restrictions. Before the Shelby County versus Holder decision came down on June 25th, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act required federal review of new voting rules in 15 states, most of them in the South. Chuff, Chief, Chuff, I can't talk. You know, I have to tell you, I was, I'm just tired. I slept until 11 a.m. today, and I never do that, so I hope I'm not getting sick. Chief Justice John Roberts voted to gut the Voting Rights Act on the basis that our country has changed, quote-unquote, and that blanket federal protection wasn't needed to stop discrimination. But the country hasn't changed as much as you think. Well, we know that. We looked at how many of the 15 states passed or implemented voting restrictions after Section 5 was invalidated compared to states that were not covered by the law. Okay. States that were previously covered by some part of Section 5 moved quickly after it was invalidated. Within two hours of the Shelby decision, Republican Texas Attorney General Greg Abbott announced that the state's voter ID law, which had previously been blocked by the federal court, would immediately be implemented. Alabama Attorney General Luther Strange, another Republican, also immediately instated his state's voter ID law. About a month after that, Republican North Carolina pushed through a package of extreme voting restrictions, including ending same-day registration, shortening early voting by a week, requiring photo ID, and attending ending a program that encourages high schoolers to sign up to vote when they turn 18. In October, Virginia purged more than 38,000 names from the voting rolls. Mississippi's Republican Secretary of State, Delbert Hoseman, told the Associated Press in November that the state was going to start implementing its voter ID law 
by the June 2014 election, 2014 elections. This proposal was undergoing Justice Department review when the Shelby decision came down. In January, Republican Governor Rick Scott attempted again, unsuccessfully that time, to purge non-citizens from Florida's voting rolls, a move he had tried previously in 2012, before being blocked by Section 5. And thanks to the Supreme Court ruling, South Carolina was able to implement a stricter photo photo ID requirement. But as Wendy Weiser, director of the Democracy Program at the Brennan Center for Justice, says, perhaps the biggest impact of Section 5 has always been at the local level, and there's been a lot of movement there. After Shelby, Jacksonville, Florida, allegedly moved a voting center that had one of the highest African-American voter turnouts in the state to a new site that's not near any public transportation. In Texas, Galveston County eliminated virtually all of the black and Latino-held justice positions in the county, a move that was previously blocked, again, under Section 5. Data shows that the law did work at preventing voting restrictions. Between 1982 and 2006, the Justice Department blocked more than 700 voting changes on the basis that the changes were discriminatory. If, okay, we understand. Republicans are the enemies that the founders warned us about, the enemies from within. They're not your friends, your buddies, your best friends, your uh, goddamn shields to look like you're being bipartisan shit. Bipartisan. Nobody votes for a representative and sends them to Washington so they could be bipartisan. They are sent there to, to goddamn work to get things done and i don't mean reaching across the aisle with the fascists who are attacking democracy from the inside so you can what send americans into endless wars of corporate aggression or on and on hobble the working class in one form or another that's not why the american people think that they're sending people to Washington. But anyway, that's what I see on display. When I when we we watch Kevin McCarthy's crocodile tears about being called out for being who he is, a racist, anybody who brings a human being to to Congress and says, hey, look, Trump isn't racist. Here's his black lady. And then is called out for it. And then one of the civil rights heroes, icons, jumps to his defense saying, oh, no, he's not racist. Maybe, what do you mean he's not racist? He may be a buddy. He may join you in the Senate sauna. Or at the corporate, whatever, some corporate giveaway you may be uh, you the godmother of his uh, godfather of his kid i don't know but yeah, that's goddamn racist and especially when all of the republicans vote in lockstep 
to what? Block the, the restoration of Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. And that's what they did. Now, Mitch McConnell, uh, they're all tweeting. Let's see, Mitch McConnell. Oh, my God. Mitch McConnell, John Lewis. Here's Mitch McConnell's statement. I will never forget joining hands with John as members of Congress sang We Shall Overcome at a 2008 ceremony honoring his friend, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It cannot have been more humbling to consider what he had suffered and sacrificed so those words could be sung in that place. I want to vomit. You're talking of listening to the words of somebody who is called the grave digger of American democracy. The the, um, World War II historian calls... Uh, Christopher Browning calls Mitch McConnell the grave digger of American democracy. He'll never forget joining hands. That's easy. God damn it. Isn't that easy to join hands with a civil rights icon and sing we shall overcome? Isn't that? But it's much harder to take up the House bill restoring Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act and implement the goddamn law protecting people the the right to vote all of those uh, everything that that the republicans did within hours of the illegitimate supreme court put in place i'm talking about john roberts he's just as illegitimate given that the president that put him there should shouldn't have even been squatting in the oval office so that Supreme Court justice says everything's changed, racism's over, and then within hours, the same old racist assholes all over this country start with their Republican dirty tricks. It's great that the that the House passed their their um, fixes to the Voting Rights Act. Fixes. It wouldn't have to be fixed if it wasn't a racist-ass country. And that goes to show you just how much is at stake. They understand our entire system, the grand experiment in liberal democracy, is, is not just under attack. It is hanging on by a thread. For real. We know it. Wait a minute. Where am I? I lost my place. Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> I'm just looking at all these accolades coming in. Oprah Winfrey, Ava DuVernay, and more. Remember John Lewis. What warmth and wisdom he leaves behind. Okay. Fine. Kevin McCarthy promises action after latest remarks by Steve King. That's another one. I mean, the, the, I'm looking at these headlines. Sorry. 
lawmakers react to the death of John Lewis. Kevin McCarthy. John Lewis was an extraordinary man, a patriot in the truest sense, and he was my friend. Remember? One of the greatest honors of my life was to join him multiple times on a trip to Selma to march across the bridge. Here we go. His life and legacy as a congressman and civil rights icon will endure? Really? No, it won't. Thanks to Republican dirty tricks. If it's going to endure, then get off your ass and tell Mitch McConnell to pick up the bill that the House passed fixing what you guys, what the illegitimate Republican scream, scream. (laughs) What's what we should call it? Republican scream court. Scream, (laughs) Republican Supreme Court passed. For what reason? You understand? They have been at us for the 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 ever since, even before the colonists declared their independence from the king and the intergenerational aristocracy that had ruled Western civilization for two thousand years and more. They have been trying to roll back progress, trying to get the American people back in their place. Voting? That's that's too much. Voting. As long as the right people vote. They don't want you and me, the workers, because we might have the power to do something about our oppressors. To limit the power to be oppressed. To get money out of politics. To get rid of all of the bribed politicians who have sat in the same offices all the for for my entire life while the middle class gets lower and lower and lower and is on the ladder we are now the middle class is below 50% of the population how is this how is this uh not on every front page of every newspaper every single day no, what's going on is it gets worse because we're in denial. I might be wrong, but I don't think so. It drives me insane. As somebody, I don't know, because you guys know my personal history of being in recovery, being clean and sober one day at a time, you only get better when you face a problem. It doesn't do anybody any good. Not accepting what's wrong, not looking at what's wrong, denying it. Let's see. I'm I'm trying to find this article that I had set up. Where is it? Here we go. From the New York Times. House passes voting rights bill despite near-unanimous Republican opposition. As you see, there's John Lewis at the time. Let's see what he says. The motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Yay. Okay. 
Cheryl Gay Stolberg and Emily Cochran. Cochrane? Yeah. The House voted on Friday. This is in July. Oh, pu- first published in December of 2019. The House voted on Friday to reinstate federal oversight of election law, moving to bolster protections against racial discrimination enshrined in the 1965 Voting Rights Act, the landmark civil rights statute whose central provision was struck down by the fascist Supreme Court. I'm adding my editorial comment. The fascist illegitimate Supreme Court. Representative John Lewis, Democrat of Georgia, who was beaten in 1965 while demonstrating for voting rights in Alabama, banged the gavel to herald approval of the measure to applause from his colleagues on the House floor. It passed by a vote of 228 to 187 along near party lines with all but one Republican opposed. The bill has little chance of becoming law given opposition in the Republican-controlled Senate and by opposition from Twitler, whose aides issued a veto threat against the, the reinstatement of the Voting Rights Act this week. The measure is a direct response to the 2013 Supreme Court decision in the case of Shelby County versus Holder in which the justices invalidated a key portion of the law. They asserted that the federal oversights of elections was no longer necessary in nine states, mostly in the South, because it strides because of strides made in advancing voting rights since the passage of the 1965 law. It's like, oh, I don't need to eat right and exercise anymore. I lost those 20 pounds. Let me go back to eating cake for breakfast and sitting on my ass. What will happen? Unbelievable. Well, we know it is. We know how full of shit everybody is in this country. (laughs) That's why I ask you to support this show. I'm trying not to be full of shit. I guess we all fall short sometimes. But we have to look at ourselves honestly. Have the courage. Be mature adults. And see us for all our failures, our strengths, and our weaknesses. We all have them. And that's why we need each other to keep each other in line. Check each other. And instead of venerating and completely lionizing John Lewis, say, yeah, he he was um, instrumental in the early 60s, put his ass on the line, but um, while in the Senate, this happened, that, what happened? He started hanging out with Kevin McCarthy. And... I don't know. It pisses me off that it's not just that he's hanging out with Kevin McCarthy. It does piss me off that he disparaged Bernie saying I was not I never saw him and while endorsing Joe Biden, who has a 60 percent voting record in regard to civil rights compared to Bernie's 100 percent. Who are our friends? This is how we treat our friends, the people, our allies. 
well, that's why I get blocked from Joe Biden's messages from somebody who takes me off the message list because I say Nina Turner as the vice president nominee or who I would pick. Who should Joe Biden pick? I say Nina Turner. And the, the person, without asking, says, I'm taking you off the list. F you. All right, become a patron. Somebody. Or I'm going to lose my mind. I just, I'm looking at the chat. I saw something, and I was investigating it. I wanted to, because I saw Haiku said, no offense, Tara, but I didn't see you about what? No offense. What am I offended by? Why would I be offended? I wanted to see why. No offense. Do you think a therapy hour with 200 views will swing this election? What are you talking about? You're saying my show sucks or something? I don't have enough views? <laughs> Is that your point, Aiko? Um, or... Hey, I do my best. I'm somebody that doesn't goddamn sleep. I sleep six hours a night because I'm trying to keep this shit afloat. I don't know. Yeah, explain yourself. Explain. I will, I'll wait. No offense. Well, offense taken, I have to say. That's just the kind of mood I'm in. As, yeah, let's read the critic. <laughs> the thing that I always turn to is the Teddy Roosevelt man in the arena. Once when I get things that annoy me like that. I remember that. It is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes out short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who also does strive to do the deeds and who knows enthusiasms, great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause or herself, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Okay. Okay. So, as Mitch McConnell continues, the Senate and the nation mourn the loss of Congressman John Lewis, a pioneering civil rights leader who put his life on the line to fight racism, 
promote equal rights and bring our nation into greater alignment with its founding principles? How dare you, Mitch McConnell? Oh, oh, no harm, no foul now. All's forgiven. Keep on being the grave digger of American democracy because you put out a nice little statement. Congressman Lewis's place among the giants of American history was secure before his career in Congress had ever begun. The son of sharecroppers in segregated Alabama, who, thanks to Mitch McConnell, if this were 1964, who, who would, whose side would he be on? Come on. As a student in Nashville, John organized groundbreaking sit-ins at lunch counters. He was one of the 13 original, original Freedom Riders assaulted and arrested for insisting on integrated bus travel. And as the chairman of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, John helped lead and organize the March on Washington at age 23 and addressed the massive assembly. John Lewis risked everything while Mitch McConnell risks nothing and gains everything. Except he risks the entire United States while he spits in the faces of everyone who ever sacrificed and fought, bled, and died and put their ass on the line for this country. John helped lead and organize the entire March on Washington at age 23 and addressed the massive assembly. John, oh yeah, I read this already. John risked everything. He endured hatred and violence. As if that was a past tense. But he kept working because he was convinced that our nation had to be better in spite of people like Mitch McConnell. Me, myself, Mitch McConnell, married to a Chinese spy who does this, the bidding of a tax-cheating, draft-dodging con man with a fake university and a vitamin scam with dictator envy who, believe, who, who, who received fewer votes, who stands for everything that makes this country suck. Not only stands for it, but fights for it. Who wipes his ass with anything good. Since 1986, Congressman Lewis brought that same spirit of service to the Capitol. You did not need to agree with John on many policy details. Like what? Everybody having the right to vote? You stinking, disgusting traitor. To be awed by his life. Yeah, because you got to throw that in. You didn't have to agree with him. Well, excuse me. It's if you don't agree with everybody having a right to vote and everybody having a seat at the table, then you're not American. You're an anti-American. You're un-American. You don't have to agree. He has to throw that in because he needs to suck ass on their base, on the Republican base, which are the fascists, the racists, the Nazis, the, you know, the David Dukes. I will never forget joining hands with John as members of Congress saying we shall overcome in a 19 wait in a 2008 ceremony honoring his friend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who Mitch McConnell and his ilk call a commie and a Nazi himself, right? 
stood for everything that Mitch McConnell and his ilk hate. It could not have been more humbling to consider what he had sacrificed to so those words could be sung in that place. Dr. King famously said the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. But progress is not automatic. Our great nation's history has only bent towards justice because of great men like John Lewis. Really? Because John Lewis took it upon themselves to bend it. Our nation will never forget this American hero. It's sickening. Just like our nation will never forget Mitch McConnell as the gravedigger of American democracy. So all the Republicans standing in opposition. Let's see, Republicans. Oppose voting rights. Where was I? I'm trying to find my space. Oh, here comes the music anyway. I'll be right back. Let's see. Okay. This is Tara Devlin. For those joining us on Progressive Voices. All right. On Friday, we're reading from the New York Times article about the Republicans. Oh, well, about the Democrats passing fixes to the Republican Destroyed Voting Rights Act. And they passed these fixes to near unanimous consent. No, 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 no not consent, all Democrats voted, all Republicans but one voted in opposition. It's it's beyond belief. And now they all are flying out of the woodwork to praise this civil rights icon while they stand in opposition to everything that he stands for or stood for. And just to bring everybody up to speed, what we're talking about here, yes, the 17-year-old, the 18, 20, 25-year-old John Lewis he was on the right side of history, kicking ass, getting his ass kicked, putting his body on the line for what's right. But, you know, I'm still questioning what the 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 point of when you're a senator kicking down or really disparaging others who are voting, who consistently vote on the right side of history while sucking up to racists like Kevin McCarthy. It it baffles me. But maybe it's my, given the fact that I'm in recovery, I don't know. I'm, I have a, I, it makes me sick. I have a visceral reaction to hypocrisy. Because hypocrisy is deadly. You can die. The country can die from it. If you don't have the maturity, you don't have the courage to squarely and fairly look at yourself, then you're not really doing yourself or the institutions that you pretend to be uh, embracing. You're not doing them any favors. Well, let me read something. I got an email from Joey, who's one of our 
supporters. Joey Bay, you know Joey. He is one of the early adopters of Tarabuster fame. He loves the show. He's a great supporter. Oh, my God. Here comes Tara Jr. Jr. Just in time. Come on over. Come on over, buddy. We're going to read. So he sent me this the from his journal, Joey's journal. Um, his a little essay about, I don't know what to call it, about John Lewis. So he writes, this is from Joey's journal. We lost John Lewis, an American icon, on Friday night, and I'm praying to God, literally, that we do not lose Justice Ginsburg anytime soon, or we are, well, you know, we're in bad shape. I've known John Lewis, I've known of John Lewis for nearly 40 years, thanks to my mother, who decided that her hyperactive, learning disabled son was going to acquire a college degree, even after even if he was not college material. Many had told me over the years that I was not college material and that I couldn't write. I simply reply to them, go F, well, you know. We are in really bad shape if we lose Justice Ginsburg. So I decided to finish college, even if it killed me. And we know, and we need Justice Ginsburg to finish this portion of her life. And I hope against hope, it doesn't do her in. So, okay, we're, I'm getting to the point here. I'm so glad that I went to college, even though I did not belong there, and I'm so glad that I finished so I can tell these people who told me I didn't belong to go, well, you know. Okay, I was in my first, my fourth semester at Kent State and was very disillusioned with courses that featured 100 students and an adjunct professor or graduate student instructing the class. The best courses I ever enrolled were the ones with fewer students and professors who encouraged interaction between class members. Well, I got more than I bargained for when I spotted a pan-African studies class that was wide open. And when the white woman who enrolled me in the class gave me this funny look, I just glared back at her with an evil stare that could have stopped the clock. I realized that I would have probably been the only white person in that class and that, as it turned out, I was only the only white person in that class. Normally, the class would have been canceled, but the African-American professor, Dr. Fran Dorsey, from the greater Philadelphia area, was so intrigued by my presence and willing to learn that willingness to learn, that he managed to convince the faculty to allow the class to commence. Dr. Dorsey asked me the obvious question, why did I enroll in this class? I reiterated to him that I grew up a small, in a small, white, racist, French Catholic town that many in the town would just cons constantly ridicule black people. Well, I'm here to hear and experience another perspective. I want to bridge the gap and maybe inform a few of the folks back home of another perspective. The class was centered around the likes of MLK, James Baldwin, and a brilliant black lawyer, Paul Robeson, who about 100 years ago, after graduating at the top of his class in law school, realized that he could not practice law in, of all places, New Jersey because of racism. The class was also focused on Selma, Alabama, with the attempts of such people as MLK, Andrew Young, and John Lewis to cross the Pettus Bridge. 
I obviously knew of MLK and Andrew Young as Young was the mayor of Atlanta. Ironically, both Coretta Scott King and Andrew Young on separate occasions would speak at Kent State that semester, and Dr. Dorsey and I would attend both speaking engagements. I still have a picture of a very young Joey and an Andrew Young from 1982 in my collection. I remember seeing pictures of John Lewis, bloody and beaten, and thought to myself, what kind of country is this? Sadly, today, with the death of John Lewis, I, nearly 40 years later, am asking the same question. Where the hell do we live? They call Alabama the Crimson Tide. And they should, because a lot of red blood flowed during those years in Alabama in attempts for African Americans to have some modicum of respect and equality. John Lewis and company finally crossed that bridge, but peace and equality really have never been realized for most African Americans and many minorities to this day. John Lewis crossed another bridge this weekend, and I hope he's experiencing some peace, as he really deserves some peace because of the, of who he was and which and for that which he stood. Thank you, John Lewis, and we can only hope that Justice Ginsburg doesn't cross that bridge anytime soon. So I thought that was that was Joey's journal. Uh, it was a little, I really thought that it was nicely stated. The crims, crimson crimson tide. A lot of red blood flowed in that crimson tide. But, all right, back to where we were with the voting rights. We were reading the New York Times about Mitch McConnell. Let me see, what time we got here? I have to look at the... Because it's progressive voices, I have to cut the show down. I'm just looking at how lot We don't have much time left on the Progressive Voices show. So if you're listening on Progressive Voices... Please become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin and join us on the live show on YouTube and Facebook or wherever else. You can also listen to the rest of Tara Buster and all our weekend shows at the Progressive Voices On Demand channel or by subscribing on iTunes. You know what I mean. You know how to do it. But there will be more show after progressive voices takes the goes away all right where were we the bill before us today so all right this we're talking about republicans passing or, or opposing you not um the updates well the house updating the voting rights act fixing what the supreme court had threw out The original Voting Rights Act, signed by President Lyndon B. Johnson as the centerpiece of the civil rights agenda, was meant to bar states from imposing poll taxes, literally tests, and other methods. Oh, my God. That's the end of the show, Progressive Voices. I'm sorry. It sucks. I know. Guys, like I said, please become a patron at patreon.com. Slash Tara Devlin. Thank you so much. We'll get better with these time cues. Because we have to do it. We do it anyway. Whether we screw up on the time cues or not. 
So go to iTunes and listen to the rest of the show or and keep coming back. It works if you're worth it. Work it. It's whatever. You know the rest. My name is Tara Devlin. We are on the right side of history. We are on the right side of democracy. We are the real Democrats. We stick together. We win. And we will win. Boy, that sucked. (laughs) Whatever. I don't know. I'm in a mood tonight. I really am. I have to admit it. I'm just sick of everything. Sick of it all. I feel like now I can be be free. Since Progressive Voices is gone. (laughs) I can be myself. Look, I'd rather just do this all day. Look at this. Look at the cat, everyone. Come on. Get it. Get it. Get it. Isn't this nice? This is fun. Get it. Get it. Get that blue piece of cloth. Get it. (laughs) Isn't that nicer? I'd rather do that. That's a better show right there. Okay. Let's see how many people we lost already. Let me see. Mm, Not too many. You're still hanging in there. That's good to know. All right. Let's get back to business here. I'm in a pissed off mode. I'm sorry to tell you. I really am. I'm just fucking over it tonight. Let's read... Actually, uh, Al Franken is back. He's been writing a blog. That's good. That's another thing that pissed me off. Think about that, how the Democrats, of course, they had to get rid of Al Franken. For what? Having a goofy picture is ridiculous. There are different rules for Democrats than there are for Republicans, in case you haven't noticed. Democrats, uh, well, they can't take a goofy picture, right? Republicans can literally be a serial sexual predator and nothing happens. A Democrat, if he's a comedian on tour with a bunch of other comedians, goofing off and taking a picture going like this, they have to be drummed out of Congress. So I don't know if this is true or not. But Al Franken wrote this article. It's called Trump Losing Support Among Older Racists. I'm not sure if he's just trying to be funny or if these are real people. So he says, Trump losing support amongst older racists. This is from his own website, alfranken.com. 86-year-old Earl Toole, a self-identified lifelong racist, slips off his mask to sip his coffee at the Dixie Cafe. I wasn't one of them Obama-Trump voters, says Toole. I vote a Republican every election since 1964. That, of course, was the year that the 1964 Civil Rights Bill ended Jim Crow. A turning point for Southern racists like Toole, who until then had been lifelong Democrats. But I can't get myself to pull that lever again for Trump. A tear rolled down Toole's cheek as he slipped the mask back on. His older brother, Otis, 93, was in the ICU at Fayetteville's Jesse Helms Memorial Hospital, named 
for this battleground states virulent. I can't say. Oh, God help me. What time is it? I can't wait till the show is over. <laughs> oh God help me. Virulently racist late senator. I know that's not a good thing to say when you're doing a show. I'm just. I've had it up to here with everything. I'm. I'm over. I'm over. Over it. Otis grew tobacco his entire life, but never ever took a puff of a cigarette. Not once. Now he's on a goddamn ventilator, and I blame Donald Trump. Like many older racists in this historically racist community, Tool has lost faith in this president's ability to handle a crisis. Tool now wears a mask whenever he ventures outside, his modest home he shares with his 85-year-old wife, Enid, whom he describes as a very, very racist. <laughs> That's why I keep thinking, is this for real? He must be joking, but... Because of Enid's several comorbidities, including diabetes and emphysema, Tool has asked to conduct the interview at the Dixie, in, um, a store owned by his friend, Bobby Fortenberry who's now considering whether to pull the lever for Joe Biden in November or to write in a protest vote for David Duke. Don't get me wrong, says Tool. I support Trump on those Confederate statues. Then, raising his voice, he pounds the table. That's our goddamn heritage, goddammit. That catches the attentions of the McCuskers, a family of four that participates religiously in the town's Civil War reenactments twice a year by Tool himself. Damn straight, yells 34-year-old Danny McCusker, husband of Gretchen and father of their boys, Connor and Connor 10 and Kyle 7. Until recently, both Danny, who sells thermal pumps, and Gretchen, a teacher's assistant, were firmly in Trump's camp. But of late, Gretchen has been having her doubts, wondering whether Trump has the intelligence or the attention span to keep her family safe and economically secure. Back at his table, Tool is wiping up the coffee spilled from the table pounding and those goddamn Black Lives Matter protesters. He should put vicious dogs on him like he promised, Fortenberry says, standing six feet away. He nods in agreement. But my God, what a goddamn stupid idiot. Tool scoffs, shaking his head. He's been screwing up from day one. Then mocking the president, he says, it'll disappear in April. In a voice that could be described as a person who is (laughs) cognitively disabled. Right, laughs Fortenberry. I mean, he's a friggin' idiot. That elicits a cackle from Gretchen as her husband just stares down at the waffles. Now Tool is exasperated. And he's just incapable of learning from his mistakes. The thing he said in Tulsa about the testing, that made me wish I voted for Hillary. That's why I'm like, is this for real? Okay. How about swallowing disinfectant? Fortenberry laughs, as does Gretchen and her older boy, Connor. Danny just throws down his napkin and heads to the men's room. But now Tool turns serious. Listen. I firmly believe that in the history of our country, Donald Trump is the most racist president who did not personally own slaves. 
and no one I know is more damn racist than me and Bobby right here. Damn right. But I believe that Trump is personally responsible for killing tens of thousands of Americans, a good number of them just as racist and almost as racist as we are. Asked if most of the other racists in town agree with him, Tool seems less than certain. I don't know. If I had to guess of the racists my age, I'd say it's about 50-50. The younger racists just don't seem to get it. <laughs> Does he think that will change? Absolutely. See, Trump is just incapable of, of, of admitting mistakes. So things will just go on getting worse and worse. And I'd say by November, it's actually possible that Donald J. Trump could lose the racist vote. And frankly, by that, a very substantial margin. The day after this story was published, the article wraps up, Earl's brother Otis regained consciousness and was taken off a ventilator, although he remains in critical condition. I'm so confused. <laughs> because is that a is that a farce? Or is that for real? You know what I mean? It seems like it's real. That's why I read it cuz I'm like, are you kidding me? Or is that satire? Cuz are they really calling them themselves racists? Some people will say that. Some Republicans will say, yeah, I'm racist. But for the most part, they all deny it. I'm not racist as they're pointing at Donald Trump's black friend as the reason why Donald Trump can't be racist. Look, he hired a black lady. Jesus Christ. All right, let's, let me check in with the chat. Not that anybody cares. Let's see. Oh, I received a letter here. Where is it? From Haiku, explaining himself. I am defending the show in the chat, he says. Okay. Then they were saying you... Wait, wait, wait. I am defending the show in the chat. They are saying we are going to lose because of what you are saying on your show. I'm saying that? Okay. I get it. This has been going on for a long time before you saw my comment and was taken out of context while I was trying to defend our right to vent our frustrations over Biden and not force to ban two people from the chat. I see. Okay, well, uh, we're going to lose because of what I'm, uh, what I'm saying. This is what I hear all the time. We're going to lose because of what I'm saying. I tell everybody I'm voting for that fucking old doltard Biden in spite of everything yeah but we're gonna lose we are we already lost and yeah we've we've lost we have a twitler thanks to the policies the neoliberal policies that we're all enduring in this goddamn godforsaken fake-ass country this is not a functioning democracy we talk about really what, I, I, look, if we don't face what we're up against, we're not going to lose. I'm telling everybody, I'm voting for freaking Biden, and I hope you do too, so we can stop the bleeding. But 
That's not the end of the story. We have so much work that has to be done. So much effing work. From pushing Biden. People, uh, what they're going to think. This is like this fucker. Where's my phone? Banning me or taking me off the stupid Biden mailing list on the text list. Because I said Nina Turner. Are you serious? No, honey. We're in this boat because of who Joe Biden is. Making deals with goddamn Republicans to cut Social Security and Medicare, to attack it. He has never been on the right side of history. That's what we're up against. We could still vote for him, but have our eyes open and understand what we're up against. We're trying to stop the bleeding, for Christ's sakes. We're trying. Yes, we will stop it because the Democrats suck but they're not as filthy fascist and off the chart like the Republicans. Yeah, but we got to be honest. I have an opinion that we have, I, I know that others don't agree. There are other people who are liberals who don't agree that the, the, that the Democratic Party has hope. Personally, we know what I feel, that the Republican Party is completely irredeemable right? That they need to go the way of the Whigs. The Democratic Party, on the other hand, I am of the opinion that it can be taken over. Maybe I'm delusional, but you see what the likes of AOC, the younger um, representatives coming up. But the fact remains that the corporate establishment, Democratic Party, the corporate wing, they are very powerful. They own the media, like MSNBC. That's your corporate media. That's your DLC, just like the, that's your mouthpiece of the DLC, just like the Fox News is the mouthpiece of the Republicans, the fascists. So they own that conversation. They want to get back to brunch. But we have so much work to do. It's not, we're not going to lose because we um, face facts. We will win because we face facts. We get rid of Twitter. And what, what do we do when Joe Biden starts saying, okay, I can reach across the aisle with these Republicans. No harm, no foul. What will happen I'm telling you, and I hope I, I hope we never have to see this come to fruition, but what will happen if we don't push the Democratic Party to be the party of FDR again and to really do the work of restoring democracy, restoring the middle class, not just walking over a bridge hand in hand. That's bullshit. That's the fucking least they can do. That's easy. Is what will happen is another fascist will come along because all if Biden gets in there and no real things are change we can believe in, none of that happens. We still have corporate interests owning government. We still have 
complete corruption. The banks are riding away with uh, everything that the American people still can't save $400. We still have Medicare for some. We still have uh, whatever, health care for some, education for some. That's the way it is. The middle class is getting lower and lower on the ladder as it's been doing. We're now below 50% of the population. And then they'll throw a subsidy. Oh, so that'll shut you up. That staves off the revolution. Then what's going to happen is there will be another Republican will be elected. The people will be like, fuck this. We're not getting anything with the Democrats, it goes back and forth because the American people keep getting screwed. And into that, that the, as FDR described, the stuff of dictators, that's why we have a Twitler. But what will happen is a capable fascist will be elected. He won't be able to, um, you know, he won't be on Twitter. He won't be as abhorrent he won't, he'll be able to control himself, and it will be a he. Trust me. And then we are really done. You get it? That's why we have to talk about what's the, real, the reality. Joe Biden's platitudes are not the change we can believe in. It's what got us here in the first place. What gave us a Twitler in the first place? Let me see. Hold on. Remember, what we should really be running on and what Joe Biden should be running on, what we need to push these mother effers. And that's why I do this show. As much as I'm pissed off tonight and I, and I can't wait until 8 o'clock so I can just fucking shut it down and go back to bed, frankly. Because I'm sick of it. I have my limits. I'm only human. I'm not a very... Um, I... What's the word? I'm not very... What I was saying... I'm not well sometimes. I'm pissed off. I have anger issues, yeah. And I, I work very hard to do, you know, change, fucking do shit, getting, getting the freaking firing line. But let's, let, what we need to do, and this is why I do the show, and why I ask you to support the show, and why you do support the show, many of you, not everybody, you do what you can do. Even uh, listening is supporting the show. But we need to get more patrons so we can grow the show. Okay? I said it. We all have... I have to keep saying it. I know it's annoying. It's it's fucking annoying to me, too. I wish my father wasn't the garbage man that he was. um, He left me a a $250 million trust fund like Twitter. Okay? Unfortunately, uh, I was born on... I wasn't even, I was born in the dugout. I wasn't even on the base. I was in the freaking locker room. I wasn't on any base, okay? So, thinking I hit a triple, I didn't, I didn't get up to bat. So, we're trying. So, um, 
what we need to do with the Democratic Party. And this is what annoys me when I was watching the all the honors to jo- to John Lewis. Yeah, let's honor his sacrifice, what he did, but let's be realistic. You know, this is what happens when people die. Everyone becomes a saint who walked among us. That's fine. But I'm annoyed at the hypocrisy. It doesn't help. Why would he come out and knock Bernie? I didn't see Bernie. Let's see. John, what exactly he said? John Lewis Bernie. He said, I didn't mean, oh, well, first he says, I never saw Bernie Sanders. Oh, okay. Well, Susan Sarandon never saw me either, but I was there knocking on doors. So, when you're just one of many in the movement, that still counts. So, but he saw what? He saw Joe Biden? No, he didn't. He never saw Joe Biden either. But he did see Joe Biden vote for bills that harmed the American people. Bankruptcy bill, civil rights, I mean, uh, crime bill, right? So this is the reality of the situation. The reason we're in this boat, the reason we have a Twitter is because the government works for the rich. John Lewis could have done a lot more good if he had spoke those truths. We talk about speaking truth to power. Power doesn't care about truth, but you do it anyway, especially if you're in the halls of power. Instead, he's kissing ass, um, telling everybody, he's giving Kevin McCarthy a pass John Lewis saw Kevin McCarthy bring a human being into the uh, into the hearing and say, "Hey, look, Twitler's not a racist. Here's this woman, this black woman that he hired." And then he had to salve Kevin McCarthy's tears for him. You could still be somebody's friend. In fact, you're not a friend if you enable them. So what's what would have have been to say, yeah, I don't appreciate being uh, being objectified like that. It, just because um, freaking Twitler hired a black person does not erase his history, his long documented history of racism. But John Lewis. He, he was the human shield for Kevin McCarthy in that position, in that time. Right? Am I wrong? Or is it that we, we just don't, aren't mature enough to look at it? Take a fearless and searching moral inventory. And, okay. So what we need to do... It's not hopeless. It's we only have hope when we have the courage to the courage to change, the courage to push. 
So we're going to let, if we let Joe Biden get away with it and never hold his feet to the fire, never call him to the carpet for all, all of his many, 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 many past votes and all of his uh, always being, pretty much always being on the wrong side of history. How is, how, what's he going to do now? We're going to give him a pass? We're just going to accept the trickle? We're just going to accept that the American people are, the, the middle class is below 50% of the population? That's going to be fine? That subsidies, throwing a subsidy at something is the change that we need? No. We have to push this effing broken-ass system, and the only way you push it is you recognize it. We should be pushing f- not just for money out of politics. I mean, that is the—that's ground zero of corruption, money out of politics. Get money out of politics, and then you will see the, like, rats. They will scuttle away to whatever corporate— I don't know, some firm. If there's no money in politics, we understand the only reason that many people are in politics is to, it's not to, uh, it's not for altruism, it's to enrich themselves. It's to suck up the power. That's why oligarchs, that's why the corporations, they spend millions and millions of dollars lobbying because government, it matters. So if imagine if we had a government that worked for the working class. And are we going to be okay? Are we going to be fine? We're going to be sated by somebody throwing a platitude at a bleeding artery? Or are we going to push for policies? You know? Otherwise, we better just call it a day. I might as well just hang it up now. We are in this boat. We have a broken system. We have a twiddler because of the neoliberal neoliberal policies that divided and conquered this country. We didn't listen to FDR's, um, his warnings. We didn't listen to Henry Wallace's warnings about the dangers of American fascism. We didn't listen to Eisenhower's warnings about the military-industrial-congressional complex. We allowed the Democratic Party, after Reagan, we talked about it yesterday, coming in, I'm from the government, the nine most dangerous words are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, and followed up by Bill Clinton the age of big government is over. What's the difference? You don't like government like crooks don't like cops. So we have a duty to fix what's right. We got it. And how do you do it? You got to call them to the carpet. So, yeah, I'll vote for Joe Biden, but I will never stop talking about the truth. Because without that, we're done. Just like I was, I always, I went up against, not, a, you know, I mean, I spoke out against Barack Obama 
we, it's not, I mean, he, he was a Republican for all intents and purposes. When you regurgitate Republican policies back at the Republicans and call it Democratic policy, then what's, I don't know, just because something has a D after its name or an R after its name, what's the difference? You have Romney care with a D after its name or an R after its name. That's the Republican health care plan, Obamacare. It always has been. So we're not supposed to talk about it? No way. We need to push for the FDR Democratic Party, the winning Democratic Party, that won the entire country, every single state, but won in four landslide elections. And the only reason FDR didn't win again is because he was dead, not because he regurgitated Republican policies at the American people. Because that's all you can do. It's pragmatism. It's only pragmatic when the system doesn't work for you. And the fact is it doesn't work. It does not work. When you are living in a country where 80% of the American people are living check to check, that means Joe Biden's policies failed. Unless we're, what, are we beating dogs? That's the best you can do. I want to be pragmatic. What are you talking about? It's only pragmatic if you are bought and paid for and you got you don't have the spine to change it. It's not pragmatic to live in a country where the American people are living check to check. That is a broken system because guess what? The rich are getting richer. Corporations are reaping record profits, and they're not paying any taxes. That's why it's broken, and that's why Twitter can come in and exploit and pretend to be a populist when he is a fascist. That's what fascists do. Now, we have to coalesce around not Joe Biden, fine, I'll vote for him. But we have to push for policies like FDR's second Bill of Rights. There's nothing more American than that. There's nothing more Democratic Party than that. It is our duty. Here is Roosevelt's speech. It is our duty to begin to lay the plans and determine the strategy of a winning and lasting peace and the establishment of an American standard of living higher than ever known before. We cannot be content, no matter how high that general standard of living may be, if some faction of our people, whether it be one-third or one-fifth or one-tenth, is ill-fed, ill-clothed, ill-housed, and insecure. This republic, this republic has its beginnings and it grew to its present strength under the protection of certain unalienable rights and political rights, among them the right to free speech, free press, free worship, trial by jury, freedom from unreasonable searches and seizures. These were our rights to life and liberty. As our nation has grown in size and stature, however, our industrial economy expanded. These political rights proved inadequate to assure 
us equality in the pursuit of happiness. We have come to a clear realization that the fact of the true fact that the true individual freedom cannot exist without economic security and independence. Necessitous men are not free men. People who are hungry and out of a job are the stuff of which dictatorships are made. In our day, these economic truths have become accepted as self-evident. We have accepted, so to speak, a second Bill of Rights under which a new basis of security and prosperity can be established for all, regardless of station, race, or creed. Among them are the right to a useful and remunerative job, in the industries or shops or farms or mines of the nation, the right to earn enough to provide adequate food and clothing for recreation and recreation, the right of every farmer to raise and sell his profits profits at a return which will give him and his family a decent living, the right of every businessman, large and small, to trade in an atmosphere of freedom from unfair competition and domination by monopolies at home and abroad, the right of every family to a decent home, the right to adequate medical care, and the opportunity to achieve and enjoy good health, the right to adequate protection from economic fears of old age, sickness, accident, and unemployment, the right to a good education. All of these rights spell security. And after this war, war is won, we must be prepared to move forward in the implementation of these rights to new goals of human happiness and well-being. America's own rightful place in the world depends in large part on how fully these and similar rights have been carried out into practice for all citizens. Unless there is security here at home, there cannot be lasting peace in the world. Drop the mic. That better be the Democratic Party platform. And it's not about keeping unfair, free, freaking unfair competition, corporations. Sucking on our miseries, riding us to the bank while the American people are ill-clothed, ill-housed, ill, 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 right? Ill, <laughs> insecure. Necessities, men and women are not free men and women. It is the stuff of dictatorships. That's the way Joe Biden needs to be talking and... Beyond talking, he needs to be acting, not just throwing platitudes at the broken system. For God's sakes. So that's what well, that's FDR's Bill of Rights. But that has to be on every every American's mind. Front of mind. That's what it means to be a patriot, leaving nobody behind, be it on the battlefield of sickness, on the battlefield of war, of sickness, of homelessness, of ignorance, and it also um, will help us heal our racist ass freaking history. 
because we're in this together. Everybody. Everybody in. Nobody out. That's the only American way. All right. I'm in a mood. My name is Tara Devlin. Everything sucks. But we have each other. Whether you like it or not, my name is uh, Tara Devlin. We will meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And we will rebroadcast on Sunday. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. We stick together. We win. And we will win. If we face reality... I don't know. The song never ends. All right. That's the end of the show. Good. (laughs) Good. Somebody become a patron, or I'm going to be even in the worst pissed off mood. Or, yeah, I'm trying to find you guys. Now I lost you again. We're all good. We're good. It's fine. What the hell happened? This is weird. Oh, Twitch is still going. Is it? I don't know. All right, guys. So, listen. Listen up, you guys. We are the real goddamn patriots. We're the real patriots. Let's reclaim the mantle. This is unapologetic liberal talk. And that's what's needed to push these fascists. Where well, we gotta? It's not. It's not really. Um, it's not that hard. It's just it requires us to be honest. Frankly, all right. I want to say, oh my God, thank you, Jim, for your super chat. Thank you, Haiku, for your super chat. Thank you, Jim, again. Oh my God. And thank you, Patricia, who is who says thank you, Tara, and Haiku for the show. Thank you, Tony, for your super chat. Thank you, Anthony, for your super chat. And thank you, Banter Board, who writes, I am angry. I have to vote for Biden. I feel the same way. I, I didn't have to hold my nose and vote for Hillary, to tell you the truth. It didn't feel like, ugh. I will feel that way voting for Biden. Never, ever took to him because I always considered him. He was the the corporate lickspittle that Obama needed to balance out, to show the corporation, see, I may talk all this uh, change we can believe in shit, but I'm, I'm with you. He's the moderate white guy that appeased the corporate interests. So, ugh, whatever. The only good thing is that it will stop. Twitler will stop. Biden will have other people in his cabinet. They hopefully, well, it doesn't honestly it sickens me because he's already surrounding himself with the same old corporate assholes. The Larry Summers of the world, right? Ugh. 
That's why we do the show. We have to be honest. How else is he going to... How else will he change? I mean, I write Nina Turner on their... Oh, who do you want to... As his VP. And they they disenroll me. F you. What does that say? You're welcome here? We're working together? We have the same agenda? What's the agenda? Just to make Joe Biden powerful? He always wanted to be vice president. For what? I mean, president. For what? So he can... What? He wants to be... It's an ambition of his. It's not because... What? It's not like Bernie, who has been fighting for these things for his entire life. Medicare for all. And when he wasn't fighting for universal health care, he was taking people over to Canada to buy drugs. Where was Joe Biden? On Meet the Press, saying he was dealing with Bob Dole, making deals to cut Social Security. Jesus Christ. Let's not get, be, re- freaking be deceived. Oh, God. Help me. Jesus, take the wheel. Stop the world. I want to get off. All right. You guys, where is, now that the show is winding down, the show is basically over. This is the end. (laughs) This is the end. Boom, boom, boom. My only friend, the end. For everything I am, the end. I'll never look into your eyes until Monday. Unless somebody becomes a patron again. My only friend, patrons. (laughs) I'm just kidding. And Tara Jr. Jr. is my cat. What's the matter? With Francis Jr. in a hat. (laughs) All right. You didn't know there was singing on the show, did you? Um, uh, Before I go, I'm trying to get another Discord link. And put it in the description of the show. So we can all join Discord in the middle of our show. La la la. Uh oh, 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 oh. Yeah. That's right, this is the end of the show. I'm sorry I have to go, but it is the way it is. Oh, yeah. This is the end. Will I be back? I don't know. You tell me. Maybe I will do a show on Monday if somebody becomes a patron at patreon.com Tara
Tara Devlin, and that's Tara Jr. Tara Jr. Jr. Here we go. Here comes the, here comes the link. Yeah, the book is here. Oh, look. Because we hope to have Greg Palace on the show. Go buy his book right now. He's coming on the show. We're just trying to find the time to... Hopefully I'll get him on soon. It's getting ridiculous here. We need some people. We need some reality check. All right, guys. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for putting up with my moods. Thank you. Thank you, Haiku, for putting up with my mood. Thank you, Joey, for contributing your essay and I see people dropping off because hey look at that they're like this show's over everybody better rest up I need to sleep my moods suck somebody become a patron because every time I get a new patron I feel like going on (laughs) I feel like okay we're working it's happening we're doing it this isn't Futile. Every other time, I feel like it is. And I want to get out of here. All right. My name is Tara Devon. Thank you so much for hanging out, putting up with me. And we are on the right side of history. You know it. We are on the right side of democracy. My name is Tara Devlin. I hope to see you on Monday. If somebody becomes a patron, yeah, we will do a show. Otherwise, I don't know. I do not know. Oh, God. I think I deleted my Tara Buster screen. So you will be seeing not the Tara Buster logo, but the weekday special still. Maybe I can find it. I don't know what's going on here. Why does everything suck? I need more patrons. We need about a thousand more. You know what I mean? Otherwise, we will... I don't know. If we have a thousand more patrons, we'll be able to do the show every single day at a set time. Won't that be nice? It'll be better than this shit. And then we can really, 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 really work to get shit done. Let me see. I'm looking for... Here's what I'm looking for. I'll see you later.